Welcome to week number two in our series that we're calling Q&A. Uh, we've taken those surveys that so many people filled out on Christmas Eve uh, and really answering what are the top five questions that you have about the Bible, different topics, and uh, we put them into a series. So taking uh, one of those questions each week and seeing what the Bible has to say about it. Uh, last week was the number one response, and that was about uh, what happens life after death, and we talked about uh, eternity, and, and uh, in our weekend, this weekend, uh, we're going to answer the question, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my purpose? That was the second question that people had the most was about purpose. Well, how do you discover that? Does God really have a unique purpose uh, for my life? And uh, a little bit different for us this weekend as we're celebrating uh, the one-year anniversary of our Poughkeepsie campus, and so uh, welcome all you Hopewell people, because uh, I'm live in Poughkeepsie on Sunday, and and uh, we just flip-flopped it, the recorded message in Hopewell and live uh, in Poughkeepsie. But I want to jump right in and, and begin to answer this question or try to answer this question based on what the Bible says, how do I find my purpose? And, and when we talk about purpose, we talk about life, uh, there are really two challenges, I think, of life that every one of us uh, faces. Uh, two challenges that every one of us faces. The first one is this, to find ourselves. You ever heard someone say that before? I just need to find myself. Who am I? Who is it that God really created me to be? I'm just trying to find myself. And we find ourselves when we find the purpose that God created us for. We really discover who we are when we discover the purpose that God created us for. Uh, I've said this before. I think it's so true. There are no accidental children. There's no such thing. God has a plan and a purpose for every human life. There are accidental parents, if you know what I'm talking about, but there are no accidental children. There, there are parents that weren't planning on being parents, and then, oh, look, we're, we're going to have a baby. But, but every life is given by God, and God has a plan, and God has a purpose. So there are no accidental kids. There are accidental parents. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life, a specific plan and a specific purpose for your life. And so the big challenge, the first one, is to find ourselves. The, the second one, and this is, few people do this, not nearly as many people, is not just to find ourselves, but here's the second challenge, to lose ourselves. Once we find ourselves, it's important that then we lose ourselves. And what's amazing is Jesus talked about how important it is not just to find ourselves, but the really, really important thing in life is that we lose ourselves. How do we lose ourselves? Because that's what God wants every one of us to do, is to lose ourselves after we find ourselves. And very few people find themselves and lose themselves. And hopefully, as we look at what God's word says, says in this time together, uh, we'll understand real clearly what Jesus meant because he made it really clear that, that it's so important that we not only find ourselves, but that we lose ourselves as well. And that's how we ultimately discover and fulfill the purpose that God created us for. It's not in finding ourselves, it's in losing ourselves after we found ourselves. I know some of you are looking at me like a, like a you know, calf looking at a new gate. Like, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, let's look at it. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, 35. Jesus puts it this way. The Bible says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, 
How many of you want to be his disciple? Okay, he's going to tell us what it takes. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The way that we find ourselves is not by demanding things for ourselves. It's by denying ourselves. And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself some things. And you have to take up your cross. And you have to follow in his footsteps. But it doesn't end there. He goes on and he says in the next verse, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. You want to save your life? Jesus says, if you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But whoever, watch this now, I had him highlight it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is pretty interesting, this word uh, right here, life, that Jesus uses in both those lines there, where it says whoever wants to save their life, that's the English translation. It's the Greek word suke. And what it literally means is the soul. It's the Greek word for the soul. Whoever wants to save their soul will lose it. What is the soul? It's our mind, it's our will, and our emotions. It's all of our desires. Whoever is like, I'm all about living to please myself, Jesus says, you're gonna lose your soul. Another place, Jesus put it this way. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his suke, to lose his soul? And so here he says, for whoever wants to save his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions, those desires, I want what I want, when I want, this is what I want, this is my plan, it's my life, I can do what I want to, is gonna lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and watch this now, and for the gospel. Whoever says, Lord, not my will, yours be done. Jesus lost his soul for you and for me. Remember in the garden, Jesus didn't want to die on the cross for you. He made that real clear. He didn't want to die for you. He didn't want to die for me. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It was the Father's will that Jesus laid down his life. And he lost his life for you and for me. And you know what else? He gained it because he lost it. Not my will, but yours be done. If we give ourselves to a greater cause, and Jesus tells us what the greatest cause of all causes is, what is it? The gospel. If we give ourselves for the greatest cause, the cause of Christ, then we'll actually find ourselves. We'll find out what the purpose is that God created you for and what God created me for as well. And so I want to answer two questions, uh, just these two questions really, uh, in our time together. The first is how do we find ourselves, and the second is how do we lose it? Real practically, how do we find ourselves? And then how do we lose ourselves? Because I don't know about you, I don't want to waste my life. I, I don't want to waste the time that I have here on planet Earth that God's given to me. I don't think you want to waste it either. 
And so the first question is, how do we find ourselves? Where does that start? How does that happen? Well, it begins when we discover our purpose. When we discover the purpose that God created you for. When we discover the unique, when I discover the unique purpose that God created me for. You know, I was thinking about this uh, recently. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, uh, you may have heard it before, and uh, th- this is really like great, uh, you know, like I like to say refrigerator material here. My mother used to write verses on a little index card and put them on the refrigerator with a magnet, and we'd always see them whenever we went to the fridge. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, in the Amplified Version of the Bible puts it this way. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Did you realize God has a plan for you? When you woke up this morning, God had a plan for your day? He was thinking about you. God has thoughts for you. When you woke up this morning, you were on his mind. That blows my mind when I think about it. He says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace, for your well-being is what that means, not to be on welfare. That's not what he's saying. I hope you are on welfare. That's not what he's saying. He says, for your well-being and for peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. God has plans for you. You're on his mind. I, I can't help but think about, I grew up, uh, you know, I'm from Georgia originally when I was a little boy, we moved up here, and one of my favorite singers is uh, Willie Nelson. He had a big hit, I think Elvis recorded it originally. You are always on my mind. You're always on my mind. Do you know God's singing that in heaven? You're always on my mind. So many times we believe the lie that God is distant and detached. But God's saying, you're always on my mind. That's one of the awesome things about God's uh, omnipresence. In theology, we use this word omnipresence. What does that mean? God's everywhere. But it means more than that. What it means is all of God is everywhere. In other words, every minute of your life, every moment of my life, I live out with God's undivided attention upon me. Oh, and by the way, his undivided total attention is on you as well, and on you as well, and on you as well. And he's thinking about us. And each and every one of us lives with God's undivided, with his spotlight on us. That's how awesome, how big God is, his omnipresence. He says, you're always on my mind. And, and if I'm always on his mind, and if you're always on his mind, guess what? He's got plans. He's got plans for you. He's got plans for me as well. And we need to find out what those plans are. Every morning, just, just waking up with this, this thought, God saying, I just want you to know, while you've been sleeping, I've been thinking about you the whole time. And I'm thinking about you right now. And I'll be thinking about you every moment of this day. The thoughts and plans that I have for you, says God. So how do we find ourselves? I think we, we discover our purpose. I think there's two questions that help us to find our purpose. 
Two questions to help us to find our purpose. And here's the first question I encourage you to ask yourself. What, are, what am I passionate about? What is it that, that, that you're passionate about? What is it that really makes you just like, yeah, get, get, get you really energized? You know what? When you're passionate about something, it brings you energy. It brings excitement to you. It's just like you don't have to get up for it, you know? It, it, it gets you up. You get excited. It charges your battery. Passion is what sets you apart from others. Passion in, in a specific area is what sets me apart from others. Uh, like, for instance, studying and, and preaching. I don't have to, like, work this up. I get excited just with the thought of, oh, my goodness, I get to study the Bible for three hours this afternoon. And I get to prepare a message about a subject. And, and, and I have to, like, turn my brain off at night to go to sleep because I'm thinking about the, the message, especially on a Wednesday night leading up to a Thursday night and a Saturday night before a Sunday morning. I, I, don't, I don't have to work up that energy. I have to kind of like try to actually gear down so I'm not in overdrive all the time. So ask yourself the question, what am I passionate about? What is it that you love? Chances are, so many times, what it is that you love to do is a good indication of what it was you're created to do. What is, it, is, what is the thing, what is that thing that you would do even if you didn't get paid to do it? You'd do it for free. And it wouldn't wear you out. You'd be energized for it. Uh, for me, the two big passion areas of doing in my life, uh, one was pastoring, and, I'm still doing, and one was coaching high school football. Because I'm a coach, I'm like a coach in the Bible as a pastor, uh, and, and I was coaching football. And I coached high school football for 12 years, but the last three years, you know what? <laughs> Much to my wife's chagrin, I turned down being paid. I, I told the head coach, no, you don't have to pay me, I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free. Give, give that salary to some other coach so, so that we can bring in an, an additional coach on top. I'll do it for free. And, and you know what? I never regretted that. There were times, you know, that I'd have like a Monday off and, and I need to go out to practice and, and Susie had Monday off and she'd say, oh, honey, why don't you just stay? Why don't you just stay home with me? And, and I was like, I gotta go, I'm a coach. She's like, you're not even getting paid. And I was like, you don't understand. As tempting as it was to stay and just miss practice, it charged me up to step on that field. I wasn't doing it because I was getting paid. I was doing it because I was passionate about impacting the lives of young men. That's why I did it. And so oftentimes what we love to do is often what we were created to do. And you know, there's some people that have no passion. Isn't that true? Have you ever noticed that? Some people just go, just go through life like this. They're, they're, they're dead. They just haven't officially informed everyone that they're dead. They're zombies is what it is. It's just like, and like, oh wow, I am so thrilled. I have the joy of the Lord unspeakable. What is it that you're passionate about? Well, what you're passionate about probably is really closely aligned and on that path to the purpose that God created you for. It's impossible, it is possible rather, uh, that being said, it is possible to be passionate about something you're not so good at. Just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean you're real good at it. You need an example for this. Uh, 
Anyone ever heard of American Idol? Oh, my Lord. You know, last night was the last, uh, it, it was the last of the auditions. The show's going over 15 years, and, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm an American Idol junkie. I love American Idol. I'm the only one in family now that watches it. But, uh, but, but, but if, if, true to the point, you can be passionate about something and not be good at it. You ever seen some of these auditions? I, I mean, I seriously, sometimes I wonder, like, do, where are these people's friends? <laughs> do you have any friends? I mean, a friend is someone who's honest with you. It's like, I'm going to try out for American Idol. I really encourage you not to. I, I mean, I, I, I hope, you know, why have I not a, tried out for American Idol? Because I have friends, that's why. They're like, Greg, that's all wrong for you. Don't do that. And so you can be really passionate about something. It doesn't necessarily equate to you're really good at it. But oftentimes, it does lead you kind of in that arena toward that area that God has created you for. When you're passionate about something, it's not even reasonable. You'll do crazy stuff just to be a part of it, just to, just to have an opportunity, uh, but you do it anyway, and, and you dream about it. You dream about it. It's like your, your mind just keeps going back to it over and over and over again, and, and some people say, well, I don't have a dream. Here's the thing. If, if you're here and you say, I don't have a dream, let me encourage you. Find someone who does have a dream and help them make their dream come true because maybe that's your purpose. Maybe, just maybe, that's your purpose. It's helping someone else's dream come true. Maybe God wants to use your life and, and work through you in such a way that, that you're going to help a lot of people's dreams come true if you don't have a dream of your own. You know, again, back to coaching. Why did I coach? Well, I was a pretty decent high school football player, but I always felt like I had more knowledge of the game in my head than I had ability to play. And I always thought if I could just get my knowledge into some teenage guy who really does have the skills, well, then that'll really be something. And one of the things I'm the most proud of as a high school football coach of the 12 years that I coached, I had nine different quarterbacks that I worked with. All nine of them played college football. All nine of the quarterbacks I coached went on to the next level to play college football. And that's like just, oh, that's just so fulfilling to me, personally. And so make someone else. If you don't have a dream, make someone else's dream come true. I've heard it said this way before, teamwork makes the dream work. None, none of us can make our dreams come, come true on our own. We need the help of other people. And so the first question, what, what am I passionate about? Here's the second question. Uh, what are my gifts? What are my gifts? What are, what are the abilities that God has given to me? What are the gifts that I have? Now here at Valley Christian Church, we have a, a, a great, great way that you can discover your gifts. It's called Growth Track. It's called Growth Track, and it runs parallel to every one of our weekend gatherings. And, and so right now, while, while I'm, I'm giving this message, we have growth track that's going on uh, here in Hopewell up in the loft. And it's a four-week series, and in that series, you'll discover the spiritual gifts that God's given to you. Every follower of Christ, God gives spiritual gifts to. And we have a whole assessment that you can go through just, just by going to growth track and discover, wow, I didn't realize this is something God gave to me when I received Christ as my Savior. 
and he wants me to use it to glorify him. And so growth track is, is the reason why we have it here at Valley Christian Church, so people can answer this question, what are my gifts? And then how do my gifts fit into the big picture of our church family? Because when we discover our gifts, and then we use our gifts, and our gifts develop, do you know what we begin to experience? Fulfillment. Fulfillment. We begin to, this just feels good. I love how uh, Pastor Jamie Farajella says it. Uh, he was my youth leader uh, when, when I grew up in the church, and, and now it's just honored to have him as executive pastor. And, and he always used to say this statement, you're functioning by design. When we discover what our gifts are, and, and, and we're uh, using the gifts that God's given to me to bring him glory, and, and in the bigger picture of things, we're functioning by design, and there's nothing more fulfilling than that. So, so what are your gifts? What are your gifts? You'll find your gift uh, is something that you'll be good at, and, and then not only just, uh, wow, I'm really good at that, then you need to look for an opportunity to use that gift, and, and then it, what you find is it energizes you. It energizes you. And then you have also not only a gift, but a capacity to develop that gift. Again, let me just bounce back to something that's not spiritual at all but football, but uh, tell a little bit of a story because I stumbled on a gift that I had. I, I, I had no idea that I had it. When I was uh, in eighth grade, I tried out for the Van White football team, and uh, they didn't even give me a helmet, which explains an awful lot today. But anyway, I didn't get a helmet. They ran out of helmets. I tried out for running back. Now, uh, I ended up playing quarterback, which I had good speed for a quarterback. For a running back, I was extremely slow. And so I got cut. Got cut from the team. First time I ever tried out for football. And, and because I was the last cut, the coach called me in the office and he goes, Williamson, we're sorry. We don't have a spot for you on the team. And I'm like, oh. And he goes, but I do have an opportunity for you. He said, how would you like to be the team manager? And I said, what does that mean? He said, that means you gotta collect all the dirty stuff. You gotta set up the field. You gotta pull out the blocking dummies. And you gotta you know, bring them all back out and all this. And I was like, okay, okay. And he goes, and I'll tell you what, if you agree to it, I'll give you a jersey. I said, you're on. <laughs> and so it was me and another boy. We were the team managers. We'd set up the field and the team would come on. And, and, and we'd have to take all the stuff off the field and gather all the smelly pennies and all this stuff. And, and uh, I'll never forget this one day at practice. Finished setting up the field. And, and the other manager, he said, hey, listen, we got everything done. Why don't we have a catch? I was like, all right. And so he threw me the football, and I threw it back to him. And then he threw it, and he ran back a little bit farther, and I threw it back to him. And, and then I, uh, he threw it back to me, and he ran farther, and I threw it back to him. And then he threw it back, and we're just having a catch, and I'm just throwing it. And then the head coach comes over. And he's got his arms behind his back like this. And he says, Mr. Williamson, what do you think you're doing? And I said, uh, we're just having a catch. Uh, we set up the field. I, I thought I did everything I was supposed to. He goes, put that football down right now. And I just dropped it. And I was like, man, what have I done wrong? He said, do you realize you're throwing that football 20 yards farther than my starting quarterback is? Than he can ever throw it? And I said, what? I had no idea. But God had just given me a natural ability 
that for whatever reason, the ball came off my hand and went farther than most young men. And he said, from now on, every time I call a play, I want your head in the huddle. I want you to learn the entire offense, and you will be my starting quarterback next year. It's too late. I can't put you on the roster. You'll be my next starting quarterback. I never even dreamed I'd ever play quarterback. I wanted to be the next Tony Dorsett running back. But God gave me ability. But here's the thing. I had to refine that gift. I had to throw the passes. I had to get better and better and better. He gave me a natural ability. And you know what? The same thing is true with spiritual gifts as well. He gives us an ability, but then we have to make the most of them. Take the opportunity to use those spiritual gifts, to refine them, to grow in them. So this is a big question. What are my gifts? That's how we begin to discover who we are. That's how we begin to discover the purpose that we were created for. Spiritual gifts, for, for me, one of them is teaching. I've never, it's never really gotten me very nervous to stand in front of people and speak. And I know that's a gift that God's given to me. It's a spiritual gift. It's one of the number one fears that people have, standing in front of people and speaking. To me, it's kind of like, all right, give me the notes, I'll do it. And, and I had to work at that as well. So what are your gifts? What, what, what are you good at? And what are, you, what are you passionate about? And what are your gifts? And that begins to lead you as it leads us, leads each one of us into discovering what our purpose is. And that's how we discover who we are. We find ourselves. Now let's answer this second question, though. How do we lose ourselves? How do you lose yourself? How, how does that actually happen? Because we, we need to answer this question because Jesus said, if you don't lose yourself, you're going to lose your soul. This is a huge question. How do we lose ourselves? In short, the way that we lose ourselves is by giving your purpose to something bigger than you. That's how you lose yourself. By, by giving yourself, by giving your purpose, the, the, the thing that you find about yourself, giving it to something bigger than yourself. Giving it to a greater cause, a greater purpose, something bigger than yourself. Let me put it this way. <clears throat> When you're bigger than your purpose is, you'll have a career. When you're bigger than your purpose is, all you'll have is a career. When your purpose is bigger than you, you'll have a calling. You'll have a calling. When you're bigger than your purpose, you'll have a career. But when your purpose is bigger than you, you'll have a calling. It's like a Old Testament prophet says, like a fire shut up in your bones. You, you can't help it. It's just this burning passion inside, and it's got to get out. That's calling. That's, I, I, just, I can't imagine doing anything other than this that God created me to do. John Maxwell, I love John Maxwell. I've read I don't know, 20 of his books probably has helped me so much to grow, I believe, as a leader and to um, 
help to influence other people. And, uh, and I heard John Maxwell share this one time, four steps on the purpose journey. I thought this is just brilliant. He's got a great way of saying things, and this is not in the notes, but just, just listen along. This whole idea of give your purpose to something bigger than you. Four steps on the purpose journey, John Maxwell said. First of all, it begins with, I want to make a difference. That's, that's finding who you are. That's really, in a sense, a selfish motivation because it starts with, it's about me. I want to make a difference. That, that's about saving our life, finding ourselves. I want to make a difference. But then, begin to continue to grow, and it goes like this. I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. Now, all of a sudden, you start losing. You start losing yourself for something bigger than you. It's not about Greg anymore. It's about what God wants me to do for him to impact others. That's step number two. I, I want to make a difference is number one. Step number two, I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. That's when we begin to lose our life. Step three is this. I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people that make a difference. You hear the difference there? I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people that, makes, that make a difference. One is too small of a number to achieve greatness. It always takes a team. But that's not the end of the journey. And, and uh, I begin to see this fourth step a little bit clearer now. I'm, I'm not old, but I'm not as young as I once was. And it seems like for me, this fourth step is kind of where I'm at for this part of my life right now. I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people who make a difference at a time that makes a difference. At the right time. Because I, I just have this sneaking suspicion that I might actually be like at the midway point personally and, and I may not even the finish line may be closer than the start line at this point and so time just seems a lot more important to me than it was when I was 18 or 28 or 38 now that I'm 48 so I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people who make a difference at a time that makes a difference. That's how we lose ourselves. Give your purpose to something bigger than you are. I've heard it uh, asked this way before. What's the difference between success and significance? What's the difference between success and significance? Success is when I add value to myself, I'm successful. Successful person, makes themselves more valuable. I add value to myself. But what is significance? Significance is when I add value to you. That's significance. Because it's not about me anymore, it's about you. It's about helping someone else succeed. It's about helping someone else get better. It's about helping someone else fulfill the purpose God created them for. That makes me significant when I help someone else fulfill 
the purpose they were created for, when I add value to someone else. Success, when I add value to myself. Let me put it this way. This is when I find myself. I add value to myself. I lose myself in significance. That's when I add value to other people. And Jesus says, don't just try to save your life. You'll lose it. Lose your life for the sake of the gospel. Lose your life for my sake. Make your life significant by what? Adding value to other people. And you'll find your life. You'll find what life is really all about. In John chapter 14, verse six, we've probably all heard this before, but I think it's important as we're talking about purpose. Uh, Jesus put it this way. John 14, six, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, as we're talking about how do I discover my purpose, how do I, how do I, discover, uh, how do I, how do I discover my way through life? Well, here's the answer. You discover your way when you discover the way. When you discover Jesus. Because every one of us was created, God had a plan, has a plan for every one of our lives. And, and when, we, when we discover the way, Jesus, then we find our way. We find the meaning, we find the purpose, we find that it's not just about my success, myself being successful, but I wanna be significant. And so I ask you, how are you gonna be significant? Giving yourself to something greater than yourself. It's so important, it starts with, if you're gonna find your way, you have to find the way, and that's Jesus. He said, I am the way. And, and so I encourage you, two, two things, just to, uh, next steps for you uh, as we talk about purpose and you know last week I was really challenged cramming eternity into 35 minutes this is purpose it's a big huge statement it's a big huge thing but cramming that into 35 minutes first of all if you've never read the book by Rick Warren uh, purpose driven life what on earth am I here for I highly recommend it it's phenomenal it's the number one hardback nonfiction bestseller of all time number one Number one, about purpose. And it's all about God's word and discovering the purpose that he created us for. And, and a number of years ago, I think two years ago, maybe three, I did a whole long series on what on earth am I here for? Discovering your purpose. It's by Rick Warren, great book. I encourage you to read it. Read it over again. I think I've read it four times uh, since the first time I got it in the uh, early, early 90s. Uh, Really encourage you. And the other thing is growth track. I encourage, if you haven't been through growth track, we have over 300 people in the Valley family that have gone through growth track and discovered their purpose, that discovered the gifts that God's given to them, and then how does that fit into a greater cause? And that is even in a church family and outside into our community and ministry and outreach. I, I really encourage you to consider picking up growth track. You can start with 201. You can start with 301. Just jump right in and complete the course. And it's, it's really, really excellent. Because here's the thing, I said it already, I wanna end with it now. One is too small of a number to achieve greatness. It's too small of a number to achieve greatness. Jesus said, whoever seeks to save his life 
It's all about me. Being successful. Lose it. But whoever loses his life, and Jesus explained how, for my sake and for the gospel, will find it. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we just scratch the surface in answering this question, how do I find my purpose? Lord, I I pray that, uh, Lord, we would be really tenacious to discover the purpose for which you created us for, to find ourselves. But Lord, not just to end there, not just to find our purpose, but then to lose ourselves. Just as, just as Jesus told us to lose our life for him and for the gospel, then we'll actually find that we've saved it instead. And so Lord, may we not just uh, set our sights at being successful and adding value to ourselves, but God, I pray that each and every one of us in the Valley family, Lord, that we would decide once and for all, we don't wanna just be successful, we wanna be significant. We want to add value to other people. And Father, I pray for anyone that doesn't have their own dream, that Lord, that they just decide, I'm gonna make someone else's dream come true. I'm gonna come alongside, and I'm gonna build with them and watch their dreams come true. And in so doing, Lord, find real life that Jesus spoke about when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Thank you, Father, for your word that gives us direction and instruction. In Jesus' name, amen.